Do you think that classical music is not for you and you don't know where to start? Or maybe you're a fan already and would welcome a fresh approach. You've come to the right place. Perfect pitch is for everyone, beginners or experts, whatever your age. Lend Nick Healy Hutchinson your ears for his weekly dose of classical music that will enrich your life. As well as its quite specific architectural meaning, the word pinnacle has also come to represent the highest point of development or achievement in a particular field. That, in turn, suggests some lengthy period before the pinnacle is reached. So it may seem strange to refer to a piece of music which is now nearly 300 years old as being the pinnacle of all music. But that, in my view anyway, is what the St. Matthew Passion by Johann Sebastian Bach represents. And yes, that includes the Rhin Cycle by Wagner. I came to this piece quite late, some 25 years ago, on the introduction of a friend, with whom I would subsequently make an annual pilgrimage to the Royal Festival Hall on the weekend before Easter. More recently, it's become a tradition with my wife, who was completely captivated on her first hearing by its stunning music. Even more so than the Foley Requiem, which we had earlier this week, you're able to cast aside any views you may have on Christianity, although the painter Roger Fry once observed that Bach almost persuaded him to be Christian. There's no mention here of eternal life. It's the tragic tale of an innocent man, betrayed, wrongfully arrested and executed. That alone makes it a story relevant to our times, because the same thing continues to happen in many parts of the world 2,000 years later. That a man called Jesus Christ lived and was put to death in such a violent manner is a matter of fairly reliable historical fact. It's what happened on the third day which causes all the debate. Bach tells the story through a narrator, the evangelist, with other soloists to portray key individuals. There are two orchestras and there are also two choirs, the purpose of those being multiple. The Pharisees, Jesus' accusers, but perhaps more importantly, us as observers, even unwitting participants in this tragedy, ultimately weeping at the end. It's because of that that the St. Matthew Passion speaks to us about tragedy and grief in a way which transcends a Christian story. Every time I've attended a live performance, I've been aware of sitting amongst hundreds of people, and yet, like everybody else in the audience, having my own personal experience of what this masterpiece brings. Grief, after all, is not really something we can share with others, because our grief is our own. There are parts where you may weep or be very close to it. This is the effect of Bach's extraordinary setting. And it's this feeling of embarking on a joint but very individual journey of what it is to experience grief, which is conveyed in the opening chorus. We're being invited to participate. It almost feels as if a train is pulling out of the station, just as it feels we have arrived at our destination at the very end of the piece, nearly three hours later, with a huge reluctance to disembark. So here is the opening chorus. Come ye daughters, help me lament. Having seen and watched them for so many years, I'm sticking with David Wilcox and the Bach Choir. Off we go.
The story is immediately picked up by the Last Supper, and we're going to move on to the moment when Jesus is betrayed by Judas Iscariot. As soon as this moment comes, we get this aria, Break in Grief, where Bach starts to raise the emotional temperature. This is our first real taste of the grief which comes with betrayal. It's not just in the voice of Alfreda Hodgson, but in the sighing of the orchestra as well.
fitting nearly three hours of music into a podcast which I imagine will be about three quarters of an hour is almost impossible to achieve satisfactorily. But I hope by the time we finish, you'll see how this pinnacle of music helps us to deal with our grief. As if betrayal was not bad enough, Simon Peter, the first disciple, insists that he would rather die than deny any knowledge of his master. Whereupon Jesus predicts, much to his disciples' increasing frustration, that before the cock crows, he will have denied him three times. Either side of this exchange, we have this contrasting and profoundly comforting chorale. The voice of the evangelist, the narrator of our story, is sung by Robert Tier, Simon Peter by Neil Jenkins, and Christ by Stephen Roberts.
We move forward in the story now. Jesus has been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and taken away to be tried. Outside, Simon Peter is challenged by three separate groups that they have seen him with Jesus, and three times he denies it. The cock crows as predicted, and Simon Peter is immediately racked with guilt. Bach now takes the emotion to a different level. In the aria, Have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, on me. The pleas for mercy grow ever intense, but the solo violin singing alongside is a masterstroke. It's a lament like no other, and one of the most beautiful passages in the whole work.
Jesus is led away to be crucified. The text says how, after letting out a loud cry, he yielded up the ghost. At this point, the music stops for a moment of silent reflection. And in that moment, whether you're a Christian or not, the gravity of an innocent man, judicially murdered, can be deeply moving. We're going to pick it up now after the music resumes, first with the return of that glorious chorale. Peace is shattered as the earth trembles and the veil of the temple is rent in two. And then, almost out of nowhere, you get one of those moments of music which is so utterly exquisite, as those surrounding the cross acknowledge, truly, this was the Son of God. Beethoven described Bach as the immortal God of harmony, and it's all there in just 30 seconds.
came out of the graves after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and was seen by many. But the centurion and they that were with him keeping watch over Jesus when they looked on the earthquake and all things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Jesus' disciples, he went unto Pilate and begged from him the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And so we come to the conclusion of the piece. It's almost unbelievable to think that the work was performed on only a handful of occasions in Bach's lifetime, and not until nearly a hundred years later was it unearthed and edited by Felix Mendelssohn, who conducted it in Leipzig in 1829. Now it's performed regularly, especially at this time of year. It's also been staged. On the face of it, the story is sufficiently dramatic to do this, but my personal opinion is that it gets in the way of truly contemplative music. We're going to take it from the aria Make Thee Clean My Heart From Sin, which has a gentle skip to it with a perfectly lovely tune. Remember, you don't need to be a believer to appreciate this. And if you aren't, when it comes to the words Let Jesus In, just swap Jesus for love, in the same way George Herbert does in his poem of the same name. They are convincingly interchangeable. Jesus is then taken down from the cross and laid in a tomb, with the Passion concluding with a final chorale in tears of grief, the words making a last plea on behalf of us all for a peaceful rest for departed souls everywhere. The work comes to its end, but after three hours, it can quite easily leave you in something of a trance.
Oh, 
sin 